Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the AGD podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Wes Blakesley. Marketing for many of us is like the flavor of the month club. So this month, it's print media. Next month, it's social media. Hey, why not try direct mail? The other two didn't seem to work out that well. Have you ever wondered how to break through the marketing noise and avoid common mistakes that we all seem to make? Well, my good friend, Minal Sampat, a marketing strategist, is going to share some insider secrets with us over the next half an hour. Minal, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be exciting. I can't wait. This is basically the uh, the cornerstone of our practice, you know, is marketing. We've got to get our information out. So let me dig in here. Uh, how do we get started in dental marketing? And how do, you know, how do we create doable marketing plans? You know, Les, the number one thing that I actually come across with so many dental practices I work with is that we, like you mentioned, it's just kind of the flavor of the month, right? We just kind of go on and we just say, hey, what is the latest new trend? Oh, you know, my competition's doing chatbots or I have somebody down the road doing email marketing. Maybe I should be doing any of that. Realistically, when you have, to get started with dental marketing or any kind of marketing is to go back to that marketing 101, and that is to know your audience. So, for example, a pediatric dental practice is going to have another audience compared to a general dental practice. And when you start looking down and create what I call is a new patient avatar, a new patient avatar is pretty much somebody that you either create or you can look at all your patients that you have. And I bet there is this one patient that every time the patient comes in, you have a big smile on your face and you're like, why can't all my patients be like this person? You know, it's figuring out who that person is and saying, okay, so I want to attract more people like Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith is between the ages of 45 to 55. She has a family. She's a local. She's living in a five-mile radius. Mrs. Smith is in the community. She's very active. She values feedback, but she values connection, and she values uh, practices and healthcare professionals that listen to her. So if you're trying to make a marketing plan around Mrs. Smith, you will know exactly what to do. You will understand that you need to perhaps add a little bit more time uh, when you see Mrs. Smith, because she wants to be heard. She wants to be included in the treatment planning. You will understand that Mrs. Smith values when you send them a greeting card over the holiday. Or perhaps Mrs. Smith is local, you know, she's actively local in the community. That means that there are places that everybody kind of meets up. Maybe that's where you need to market. So a marketing plan all comes down to saying, who is it that am I trying to attract? Now, the opposite, let's say that you're trying to attract Sarah. And Sarah is a millennial, late 20s, early 30s. Sarah likes convenience. She likes to get things done. For Sarah, you do want chatbots. For Sarah, you do want an ability for Sarah to go online on your page, directly on your website, and perhaps schedule from a link on the website onto your system. Sarah doesn't like to do a weight game. She wants to come in, be seen, she wants to leave. She values social media, she wants to be seen. She wants to know that you are a fun practice, that you value younger generations coming in. So the number one thing that I see happening is that people don't really know their audience. Most times when I ask somebody and say, who are you trying to attract to your practice? I will get responses like anybody from age five to 75. Well, from age five to 75 are four different generations with different needs, different wants, and different ways for you to really attract them to your practice. So it's very important for us to nail down exactly who we want to attract. 
And I take this a step further and I say to create a marketing plan, a dental marketing plan specifically, you not only need to create your avatar, but I want you to name your avatar. Because when you name something, it becomes real. And I have avatars for my own business and my clients have avatars for you know, their patients and their customers as well. And once we have that avatar, we know exactly what we need to avoid in marketing and what we need in marketing. And once we have that, we can start creating steps to creating a doable plan. That's interesting. Uh, so let's move, we'll just move down the scale one more notch here. What are some of the common marketing mistakes that dental practices often make? Again, you know, with some of the most ones that I see happening as well is getting stuck in this, what is my competition doing? So I would have some practices that will come in and they would want to spend $10,000 on a website. Well, realistically, the website that you want, okay, and this is from a strategy point of view, is you want your online image to be as good or better than what is out there in your community, right? So if you're already showing up on your website, if you're on your on Google listings and other search engines, if your website is already converting, if you're already getting Google reviews, do you need to necessarily spend the $10,000? If you have the budget and you want to do something for it, great. But if you don't have the budget, it is not, it is not required for you to spend that money. It's the same thing goes with every single marketing outlet that's out there. And because we don't track them, it's, it's harder to track them, but we don't even have a system to track them usually. We don't ask our patients where they heard about us from. So we don't know that, you know, out of the 50 patients, 10 came from Google, maybe 10 came from a community event, maybe 10 came from a newspaper ad that you did. Whatever it is, not tracking is the biggest mistake because if we don't track, we are just thinking and assuming that something's working in marketing when really we just don't have any foundation to build upon. Next question. Do we really need to be on all the social media platforms because it takes a lot of time? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely not. Um, and this is ironic coming from somebody who is a social media coach, um, but you don't. You absolutely do not have to be on all the platforms. You need to be on the platforms where your ideal new patients are and your current new patients are, uh, you know, current patients are as well. So, for example, if you want to try to attract the biggest, biggest age group, then you need to be on Facebook because Facebook is still and continues to be one of the biggest active platforms. And I know that people come in and say that, hey, man, Instagram is coming and taking over. I agree. But Facebook owns Instagram. Uh, in fact, they just had their quarter report released uh, this month, and they have 1.6 billion daily active users. So if you want to attract between the age group is, you know, of 25 to 65 older, you need to be on Facebook. If you want to attract more of a younger generation, the millennials and the moms, the younger moms, you want to be on Instagram. If you are a specialist practice and you want to go ahead and start creating some professional relationships, then you need to be on LinkedIn. So there are different ways for you to understand what platforms you want. Each platform works differently. Each platform has a different audience. And each platform, the messaging is different. So there is no need for you to be on all social media platforms. You need to be on the one where you are the most active and engaged. And also, you need to match before you go to the next one. It's not a quantity game. It's a quality game. So if you're doing five different social media platforms and you are not seeing any return on it, it's probably because your efforts are just kind of going everywhere and not focused on one platform specifically. So I would definitely choose two platforms that you want to be active on 
And once you are active on those platforms, focus directly and say, what do I need to get done? How do I get better? How do I see conversions here before I move on to the next one? Uh, one question, and then I want to go back to Facebook. Uh, what is your opinion of videos on YouTube? Very, very important. Uh, videos are going to be 80% of the content by 2020. In fact, uh, you know, we have Google coming in saying stats that more, more people spend time on a website with videos. We have marketing companies coming up with stats as well. So by 2020, which is, well, I think when this was launched, maybe 2020 already, if that's the case, video is already out. And 80, you know, when you have 80% of the content being video, you have to do it. The reason you want videos on YouTube is because Google owns YouTube. Um, every time you go online and you, let's say you're trying to make dinner, you're trying to find a, a recipe for something. If you search for it on a search engine, you will see that you get videos on it. The reason for that is the search terms match the videos. We are getting more and more people are coming up and looking at you know, videos, watching videos compared to reading things. So it's important for you to have YouTube videos, but, but it's also important for you to understand the difference. So if you go ahead and add a video to YouTube, on YouTube, you need to make sure that there are tags and there are titles that match that search engine because YouTube is a search engine compared to Facebook. On Facebook, if you add a link to a YouTube video, I'm sure that you have realized that you are not getting much engagement on that. That's because Facebook is trying to become a video platform, a video content platform. And because of that, when you put a YouTube link on Facebook, it's like you're giving away prime real estate of Facebook to YouTube and your video link to YouTube is not going to work. So you need to put the raw video file directly onto Facebook to get the most engagement out of it. So again, understanding the platform is important, but yes, YouTube videos are great, they are important, and once you have a YouTube video, you can embed that video onto your website so the website is not slowed down, it's easy for the videos to be there. Should we consider doing homegrown videos, uh, say with our smartphones, or should we uh, hire maybe a local videographer to come in and do you know, uh, a short video with us and do it that way, which, which do you think is, is the best or better? Um, this again goes back to who is your audience. Is your audience somebody who wants to see short, fun videos of you know, you, you're doing some cool stuff in the practice, you know, dressing up for Halloween, and uh, currently, and realistically, the phones that we have today have fantastic video cameras. So if your audience is somebody who is going to enjoy those videos, yes, absolutely do them. Now, if you want to have videos on your website, if you want to have videos in your you know, broad marketing schemes, are you okay? Is your audience going to relate to those casual fun videos or would you want something that's more professional? I like to combine the two because there is a need when I am reaching out to my potential clients who want professionalism, who wants to see that, okay, this is a company that knows what they're doing. Look at how amazing their videos are. These are well-made videos, then clearly I'm going to use somebody who is advanced and knows the knowledge of doing that. So I would use professional videos in getting that brand out there. What I will do with the phone videos, because I do a live show every week and you know they are fun and they're exciting, but I would use that to keep my audience engaged. So there is a difference between getting in front of a cold audience and making sure that they see you as a professional and then trying to keeping them engaged with you. So I would combine both the strategies, again, knowing your practice culture and knowing who you're trying to attract. Because if you're trying to attract other professionals and you have a video of you guys jumping around wearing tutus, that may not be the best way to do it.
Understood. Vinal, you mentioned to me one time at a meeting that there are some free ways to gain new patients. I'd like you to comment on that. Free is always good. <laughs> free is always good. <laughs> well, you know, a few things about getting patients uh, in an economical or a, or a free way. The number one thing is our current patients. Our current patients, we've already spent all of our marketing dollars. We already have our current patients coming into our practice. So they clearly chose you. They like you, and they continue to come to your practice. Now, if they're continuing to come to your practice, we can leverage that in a couple of ways. The first way is clearly we can ask them to, you know, send us friends and family to our practice, and we can have a whole referral system or referral campaign around that. The other one is reviews. So right now, the review sites, okay, Google, Facebook, HealthGrades, Yelp, the basic versions of all these are free. So all the review sites that you have online are free for your business. What you have to do is go ahead and claim those pages. Once you claim those pages is when things start to get really amazing. After you claim them, you have complete control of these pages. So for example, let's go to Google. Google business page, once you have control of that, if you were to go to the back end, it has the review system again, which is free to have. You can help people write your reviews. It's free to have, but it also has what is called a Google post. A Google post is similar to a Facebook post, but a Google post lasts for seven days. So if you were to show up in a search result, your posting goes directly onto Google. So just imagine how strong this is. Let's say you have a promotion happening inside your practice, or perhaps you have a campaign happening inside your practice. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it was directly on Google? And Google does that for you for free. It's just an option there for you. You can go ahead and add videos. You can add photos. You can add you know, different blurbs. You can add a blog. Google in itself could act, Google business page in itself could act as a mini website for your practice. And that is a hidden treasure that people are not utilizing right now. And I have seen my clients automatically get higher in search results and get conversions because if I go on to a search engine like Google and if I'm searching for a dentist and I see their Google business page coming in and let's face it, we all have ADD now and we always you know, look at different things. And if I go to your listing and I see reviews and photos and videos and there's a promotion and there's a direct call to action, oh, and there's a phone number I can call, you got me directly from there. So you know, the one thing is utilizing that similar thing with Facebook. Facebook is a free platform. The only, way, only time you have to pay for these things, Facebook, Google is in the ads, but the basic levels are all free. So for example, in Facebook, Facebook has a tab called Offers that is on a business page. So if you have a Facebook business page, you have a tab called Offers. If you don't know where the tabs are located, go into your settings. Now you have to be an admin level on this. So go into your settings. Once you go to your settings, you're going to see templates. If you go to templates, you will see all the tabs available to you for that template. Here's the cool part. You have the ability to change the template. So you can change your template from a service provider to a product page to a video page. And again, free and a hidden treasure that people don't use. So my business page is a video page because I do a live show and I do a lot of videos and I do a lot of podcasting and all that cool stuff. So for me, it's important to have that. But a business page for your practice may be a service page. In that service page, you have a tab called Offer. When you have the Offer tab, you could directly create an offer on Facebook, and it will show up on your page. Another cool thing is you have a tab called Service tab. 
A service tab is really cool because you can add all the services you have. So if you are a practice that is okay seeing emergency patients, write that down. Because what happens is if I need to have a dentist, I'm going to go on Google and I'm going to go to Facebook and go to a Facebook group and ask, hey, does anybody know a good dentist in this area? And if I were to now go to your page from that recommendation and I see that you accept emergency patients or these are all the services, again, you're selling me on you, on your practice, free to do. And here's the best part about the Facebook tabs. When you go under the settings and templates and you see all your tabs, you can drag them. So all you do is you just drag them with your mouse click. You can drag them and now they're in an order. So if you want the reviews to show up first, they show up first, then the service, then the photos, then the videos. You want it to be another way? That's okay too. Whatever is most important for you, you can easily do that. And staying on to the free stuff, uh, you know, once again, going back to social media, so much of conversations happen behind the scenes, right? So many of them happen behind the scenes, and they all happen in these Facebook groups. I'm sure many of you are part of township groups, community groups, and what happens when you do those? You kind of go in and you will see that there's a search option there. So the search bar inside of Facebook groups, you can search for any word. So you can go ahead and search for dentist. When you do that, you will see all the posts that mention the word dentist. You could do dentist, dental practice, whatever you want. And you will see exactly what people are searching for, what they are asking for, and who the recommended dental practices are in your area. So if you haven't joined the Facebook groups, you need to join that. It's free to do. You have to be careful, though, because you can't just go out there and just start selling. That's not the point. You can't go in and say, hi, I'm a dental practice. Come to my practice. Most groups don't allow that. But you could use it as a relationship building, which you should be doing anyways with your community. Be active on it. Communicate on things. For me, doing this Facebook group stuff is my biggest referral source. I actually get actually all of you guys, all the dentists, I have you reach out to me on Facebook on a weekly basis just because of something I said in a group. So all the free ways, these are just some of the free ways, but powerful free ways for you to get started with marketing. Geez, that could have been a whole podcast. (laughs) 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 We can just keep going on that. Let's talk about reviews for a minute. Uh, what, What is the best way to ask for reviews? We still kind of do this in fits and starts in the office. Uh, What do you recommend? So there is a there are def- different ways for you to do reviews. The most beneficial way that I have seen is to automate the whole process. There are many review companies out there that will directly work with your, you know, practice system, whether it's Dentrix or whatever it is, and every single patient will get a review request. Now that is the most efficient way that I have seen it, and the reason for that is because I don't have to worry about having a team member constantly asking or then showing the people how to get to your Google page or your Facebook page, because it's not easy for people. You have to make it easy for your patients to do you a favor, which is writing a review. Now, if you automate the system, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying, well, but what about, you know, what about a negative review? What about if somebody had a bad experience? Then in complete honesty, I think there are bigger issues you need to deal with if you think that you can't automate it because you're worried about negativity that much. Realistically, again, you should be having at least 90% of your patients be happy with you. Um, you know, and, and if that's not the case, then there are other issues that have to be dealt with within your practice. But if you do have 90% of the patients who are happy with you, it's okay for you to do an automated review system. In fact, if you see businesses that have perfect five stars, people don't trust them because it's, you can be that perfect. 
you want to have that 4.5 to 4.8 star. So even if you get a negative review, it's okay. And if we have time, we can discuss how to deal with negative reviews, but it's okay. So the automation is an important part. The second part is also leveraging when a patient does say that they like being there. So, you know, I'm also a dental hygienist. And if I have a patient in my chair and the patient tells me, no, this was an amazing visit, thank you so much, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, I would immediately follow up and will say, thank you, Mrs. Smith, I love having you as a patient here. By the way, you're gonna be receiving a text and an email asking, you know, how your experience went, and it will be linked to Google and Facebook. Would you mind writing a review and would you mind mentioning my name? It would really mean a lot to me. The reason I use that script is because now Mrs. Smith knows that she's going to see Manal again in six months. And Manal asked a favor to Mrs. Smith directly and said, I'm going to look, I'm going to be looking for that review. So this means that we're almost kind of making her feel guilty <laughs> to write a review. And that has worked. And it helps me as well, because as a hygienist, I do want to see that. I have my name coming up and saying that my patients like me and I'm doing a good job. So to train your team to say certain things when people are raving about you is not a bad thing. And to direct them in saying that you will be receiving an email or a text message or whatever it is that you're doing to ask them for reviews. So creating a strategy like that for maximizing that reviews really works. That sounds excellent. So let's jump over to negative reviews. Uh, <clears throat> I've gotten two. And uh, one was from an emergency patient from another practice, and uh, I didn't uh, put too much on that. Uh, but, you know, occasionally you get one. Someone's not happy. You're right. You can't be perfect. How do you deal with it? So, okay, so there are multiple types of negative reviews. The first kind of negative review is, like you mentioned, it is from a current patient. So something did go wrong there, and they decided to write about it. And that kind of a review, I would go ahead and I would say, you know, Mrs. Smith, I am so sorry that you had a less than perfect experience in a dental practice. It is our goal to make sure all of our patients have a happy and a healthy smile. We would love to talk to you about this and figure out the situation. Please call, give a person's name, whether it's your office manager or whoever it is, please call this person at this number. We are looking forward to our conversation. Leave it. Because what you're doing is you're giving them an out. You're giving them an olive branch and saying, we are so sorry you had a less than perfect experience. We get it. We understand. We are open to a conversation. You want to work this out. Here is the direct phone number to the office manager. Please make sure you give us a call and then you leave it. So if you're doing that online, that's what you do. Now, the best thing to do before you even answer it online would be if you see the review coming in, would be to call that patient directly and say, Mrs. Smith, I saw that you wrote about this experience. I'm so sorry, whatever it is, and to fix it. Because when you take care of the situation, and then end that phone call with saying, by the way, would you mind removing that review since you know, we have discussed the situation now? And most times people do that because people in general are not mean people. They are just looking to be heard and they want to be taken care of. So giving them that opportunity is great. Now, if that is not the case, you could, like I said, you want to go ahead and put something like that online. The reason you want to do that is because let's say Mrs. Smith goes back to that response that you wrote with a phone number and a person to call and starts writing back again, to a potential new patient or somebody looking at your reviews, they're going to say that, hey, listen, the business already gave you a way out. They gave you a number to call and you're still going after them. So you are the one that's crazy. You are the one that's going after them. You don't feed into the crazy. You give them an out and you leave it there. I like that. That makes perfect sense. You know, we're just speeding through this interview, uh, but I do want to, uh, before we run out of time, Talk about some of the strategies uh, by, by which we can implement some marketing ideas 
it, it just seems that we want to do this. Sometimes it's hard to find the time. Uh, what are your thoughts about how a general practice like mine can actually implement mar- a marketing plan that is uh, affordable and effective? You know, I started as a marketing uh, strategist and a marketing director for uh, for a dental practice in New Jersey, which you know about. And yes, I do. The best <laughs> the best way to have that kind of growth that is affordable and that is efficient is to have somebody inside your practice. If you think about it, you have team members inside your practice. You have the office manager, the treatment coordinator, you have the hygienist, the dental assistant. They all have a specific job. But when you look at marketing, you don't give that job to anybody. You put it either on the office manager, okay, do this as well, or, oh, the dental hygienist has two extra hours a week. Maybe she will do it. But it's not their job. And they don't have the experience or the knowledge to actually make it happen. So what happens is we rely on outside companies to do some of these things for us, and they will charge us the money that it takes for them to run their business. Instead, switch that thinking and hire somebody inside your practice. So when you have somebody inside your practice, they know your, their, they know your culture. They know the patients that you see. They're available for the events. They're available to run the team meetings. They're available for the social media content. They're writing the blogs. They're creating all the graphics for you. Having that means you have somebody inside your practice who handles and works specifically for your practice. That's how I got started. And actually, with all my clients that I work with, and that's you know, from a small practice to 40, 50 location practices, I require all my clients to assign me a team member that I'm going to be training for marketing. And that's where they see the most success. Otherwise, ideas are nothing without implementation. And everybody in the practice already has a job and a to-do list. So to adding more ideas, it's never going to turn into implementation. My recommendation is always to hire somebody inside your practice who can help manage that marketing for you. So there's thousands of listeners. You know, Joe Smith out in Iowa wants to work with you, okay, and amp up his marketing. <laughs> I don't know why I said Iowa. Uh, how, how, does it, how does it work? Okay, he calls you up, and then uh, where does it go from there? So somebody like that calls me up, the first thing I would do is I would schedule a call with them to understand what their marketing goals are and see if this is a good fit. If their marketing goals are there, I will tell them, like I mentioned, we need a team member that I can train on. I create a custom strategy plan for them. I am not cookie cutter. Um, And you work directly with me. I have team members, but you never work with them. You never see them. You work with me. And I create a custom plan for them. And after that, we do strategy calls. They are two hours long. There are no contracts. I come up with the entire strategy plan. And luckily enough, by the end of my, you know, beginning to the end of my strategy plan that we have in place, you will have a team member who can manage your marketing for you. So after that, you kind of, you have the option to hire me on the retainer if you like. If not, it's all good. And uh, you're going to be on your way to do some good stuff. Well, Minal, I'm going to give you a review right now. Are you ready? Yes. Six stars. <laughs> you don't get five, you get six. That was excellent. Uh, I, was, I was scribbling notes like a crazy man here, and I know the great work that you did for my classmate from dental school. I know that for a fact. Uh, so, for the members listening in, uh, Joe Smith in Iowa, all the folks here at the Jersey Shore and around the country, how do they contact you? They can you know, you know, easily go to minalstampad.com, which is M I N A L S A M. P-A-T.com, Manalsampa.com is my website. And feel free to shoot me an email, which is hello, H-E-L-L-O, at Manalsampa.com. 
Well, that's great. Thank you for that. Thanks for carving out time, uh, you know, to spend with us and to share your expertise. I know from, you know, spending several you know, hours with you at meetings, how busy you are. It really means a lot to all of us that you're sharing, you know, your insider secrets, if you will, with us. So uh, on behalf of the AGD, thank you and six stars. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. And I hope everybody who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Feel free to reach out even if it's just for a question. I'm always here. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mino.